Welcome everyone to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 91, and we're talking about how the anime rom-com genre never changes. We'll be talking about some rom-coms specifically toward the end of the episode, so there may be some spoilers. If you're surprised by the change in our opening and some of the changes you'll hear in our closing, check out episode 90 of Strictly Anime for a quick explanation about that. We are changing things up here at Strictly Anime. Yeah, what? This is our second run through of that, and I'm still not used to it. I I messed up three times. We had to keep re-recording it because I have to break out of that habit that we've been uh, that we've been in for two two and a half years now. But change is good. Change is nice. And we have a, a small change to our Patreon. We have a new patron to welcome. Yes, and so we want to give a huge shout out to our newest patron, Ed. So thank you, Ed, for your generosity and support. To tie in with today's episode, you got us feeling like we're in a romantic comedy. With you. <laughs> yeah, you. I was going to say, you're the romantic and we're the comedy. Or we could be a harem. <laughs> we'll be a harem anime. It'll be the protagonist and you and I will be vying for his affection. Okay, that works. <laughs> I feel I could make a more compelling case. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we also want to thank our longtime patron, Jesse James, who recently upgraded to the top tier that we currently offer, a fucking weeb, Ooh. and gave quite a generous um, pledge on Patreon. So we very much appreciate that. And Jesse- It's like he, they've gone to like holding hands with us. <laughs> right? <laughs> Again, to tie in with today's episode. We're progressing, unlike a lot of rom-com that we will talk about this later, but we're actually uh, progressing. You could say it that way. And Jesse James did send us a really nice message. I won't share the entirety of it, but they mentioned that they've kind of explored some other anime podcasts out there and that those other podcasts didn't quite have the same magic that they experienced listening to our podcast. And that just really warmed our heart. We wanted to share that and say thank you for the kind words because it's so important to us that we provide great content on our podcast. And it's a huge added bonus when our content resonates with our listeners. So hearing that just really, really made our day. And if any of you listening would like to support the show and get access to the fun things that we offer, like our bonus episodes, we have our pre-shows every week, we share our show schedule every single month so that you'll know what's coming up. Um, For certain tiers, you can submit questions that we answer on our podcast um, about those upcoming episodes. All of that fun stuff is over at patreon.com slash strictly series. So before we get into anime rom-coms, I want to talk about an anime that's not a rom-com, but I recently finished, and I've been talking a bit about it on the Discord, a couple of different Discords that we're a part of, so I just wanted to say something really quick about it, but uh, that anime is Madoka Magica, and what the fuck? It's like really good. I always thought it was just some memed anime, but it's actually really fucking good. Yeah, I've I've heard a lot of people talk about this one, but I'm <laughs> I I will say that I I judged a book by its cover uh with this anime specifically, but you'll have to tell me what your thoughts are. Yeah, I finally committed and similarly I always thought that people just kind of talked about it because it looks very, you know, cute girls doing cute things on the outside, but when you actually watch it it's a pretty dark story. I don't know, I figured it was going to be something like Elfin Lead, where it was just some edgelord shit. But watching it, it was actually very impressive. This anime accomplishes 
a lot in just 12 episodes. And I think it's a great example of how to write a solid story with a clear beginning and ending in just those 12 episodes. And it's proof that it can be done and can be done well. And not only that, not only does it does it have, uh, find a way to give a complete story or mostly a complete story in a short amount of time, the story that it gives is deep, it's dark, it's unexpected. Because again, you have magical girls who are going through some really, really heavy things and tackling some really heavy themes. And on top of that, they're using really cool and vastly different art styles and somehow managing to merge those together seamlessly. So I was just completely blown away at how well done this anime was as well as how much I enjoyed it. I'm not always super into magical magical girl anime, but this one I very much enjoyed and I recommend it to you right away. Can you be specific about the plot or is it one or is it like one of those things where you have to just watch it and go into it blindly? I think this one you you probably will benefit the most going into it not knowing much of anything because you kind of get hit with those unexpected elements. I There's definitely a, a, a plot twist toward the end that is, I think, really well done. Again, for 12 episodes to have a plot twist like that, I think is fantastic. But I, I'm hesitant to tell you anything more about it because I want you to experience what I experienced thinking this anime is just going to be cute girls doing cute things. And then you go into it and you're like, holy shit, that's not at all what is happening in the show. I mean, now you've, you're going to be expecting it because I've shared it with you, but I still think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Okay. Yeah. I, I normally, I'm, I don't watch those types of shows, like cute girls doing cute things, but typically you're my litmus test <laughs> when, <laughs> when it comes to anime that I haven't watched and you, you highly recommend. So I, I put it on my, my watch list on Mal, so I'll probably give it a try down the road. Good, you should. And it's such a small commitment, 12 episodes. And then there is, a lot of people have told me there is a movie that serves as a sequel. I think that movie's about two hours. But even if you don't end up watching the movie, I think what you get out of the 12 episodes is still really, really good. Well, actually, I may watch Madoka Magica a little bit sooner than expected because I did finish up an anime that i believe i mentioned i was watching on last week's episode which was gokusen uh it was only 13 episodes but this is probably the fastest that i've gone through an anime even with just that short of a season yeah i'm surprised because you started rent a girlfriend before gokusen and you're not even halfway through rent a girlfriend yet but you've already <laughs> finished gokusen <laughs> yeah i, I guess because like not to say that rent a girlfriend isn't interesting, but like Gokusen, you know, I explained it uh, in the last podcast. It's a, a story about a, a yakuza heiress who becomes a math teacher at a school for delinquents, and it's a lot similar to Great Teacher Onizuka, at least from what I've read and in in reviews and such. But I guess I just. It was. It's not like a compelling story, but it's just one that was interesting enough that I just wanted to watch it as as much as I could. Uh, sort of like a, a feel good crime comedy, although it doesn't focus too much on. Uh, Yankumi is is like the the nickname that the delinquents give the teacher. It doesn't focus so much on her experience as being part of a yakuza family but it's more so how she 
kind of helps these delinquents out of their ruts and kind of gives them a little bit more purpose in life while concealing her identity. And uh, I just thought it was a it was a good a good story. And the last episode, uh, things do take a bit of a turn, but it, it ends on a happy note. Um, and even though I think there was a live action like comedy drama that was also based on the manga that the anime was based on that went a little bit longer than this anime. And I think it even came out. It did it come about? It might have not come out before the anime, but might have been um, out a couple years later. But the anime only reached 13 episodes, so they never really explored more of the manga, which I'm surprised because I thought like the way that they left it off, it left a lot of things open-ended um, in episode 13, so they could have continued with the season two, but it just never went. So, Did but, you feel like it was one of those situations where they gave you 12, 13 episodes and said, go read the manga? Um, I mean, yeah, even <laughs> they titled episode 13 in a way that felt final. And so it might have been one of those cases where it was like, go read the manga, which I think it only ran for maybe three or four years. The uh, manga did? Yeah, and so maybe at that time the anime had just caught up to the manga so far, uh, like had caught up to that point in the manga, and like they just waited a long for it to continue before giving it another adaptation. But then they just decided not to. I don't know what the case was, but um, regardless, it was a great thirteen episodes. Episodes. It was a great 13 episodes to get through. I think I ultimately rated it like a 7 on mail. Um, That's a solid score. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Like the, the humor was there. Uh, the slight action was there. I think this was, uh, this was by Madhouse, like way back in their early days. Uh, so animation was kind of typical of that time period. But I enjoyed it nonetheless. Well, it's good to know that these two anime have a pretty solid story in 12 to 13 episodes because that's not always the case with rom-coms. Do you like that transition? I had to think about that one ahead of time. (laughs) So talking about anime rom-coms, before we dive into these rom-coms, we did ask everyone in our Discord to share their favorite rom-com and why. So thank you to everyone who submitted an answer. We'll share those at the end of the episode. And if you're not part of our Discord and you want to join the occasional um, fan participation or listener participation things that we do, the link to join is in the description. We'll also share a link to the Reddit post, the Starter Pack Reddit post that inspired us to do this episode in the Discord as well. And this comes from the R Starter Packs subreddit where someone posted what do they title it the anime rom-com starter pack clear concise and extremely accurate and i was like we have to talk about this because it 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 just makes so much sense we we say the genre never changes because almost all of these things that are on the starter pack apply to almost every fucking rom-com in anime hence why i don't know 30 something people upvoted this bad boy it's uh it's a good one. No, wait, 47, now that I'm looking at it. 47,000 people. Oh, I thought you were going to say just 47 people on Reddit. <laughs> it's been amazing growing. number. Uh, yeah, I feel like even Western romance or 
like rom-com films and TV shows, they have similar tropes and, and are even like more homogenous, more of the same. But I think they're just more gushier in nature in these Western films and series than compared to anime. Even though I, I think like anime rom-com tropes are a lot more interesting and and more engaging maybe because they break from western norms but i think obviously the more you see of something the more uh, monotonous it can get i kind of disagree in the sense that western rom-com tropes feel the same i i think anime rom-com tropes especially given this starter pack looking at these things I feel like it's almost formulaic at this point. Like it's it's the same shit in every almost every fucking rom com. Even ones that are set in school but don't necessarily have a school theme to them, they still have these tropes somewhere in them. Even anime that don't that aren't considered rom coms still have some of these tropes in them. Like I feel like this is almost a basic formula for a vast majority of what's in the anime rom com genre. And we kind of got a taste of that when we were on Otaku Host Club podcast for their episode 73, if I remember correctly, where we reviewed Video Girl Eye. That one was extremely eye-opening because that was an anime set in the early 90s. I always want to say 80s, but it's early 90s, right? Yeah, it was early 90s. And it was a one-for-one for, of all all the stuff that we see nowadays in modern anime rom-coms, I was like... The shit has not changed since the early 90s. For like 30-something years, it's the exact same formula, exact same tropes, exact same everything. And yeah, when I saw the starter pack come through, I'm like, it's it's going to be the same forever. It's almost like a, a solidified thing in this genre. Well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Although That's maybe true. Some, <laughs> some of these tropes are a bit broken now. <laughs> I don't know. I have to say, though, like, yeah, we, we tease this as being formulaic we tease it as being you know not uh, not unique or or not i don't know like just it, it's the same shit over and over again but it's the same shit that we eat up as anime fans every single time i think there's a reason that this formula and these these tropes are, are continuing to be used in rom-coms it's because the fans love it they they want to watch more of this shit i feel like a lot of these tropes that are on here they're safe enough where they they make sense bring them back over and over again in different shows because they feel relatable you don't have to you know suspend your disbelief too hard um when watching them it's it's comfort food almost to see these characters go through these exact same things the exact same song and dance but you know at the end the payoff hopefully is going to be really good um so yeah even though it can feel repetitive i think it's still enjoyable to watch yeah i I think that's why I love rom-coms in anime a little bit more because you said that they're safe. They feel like comfort food despite all of these repeated tropes because I think like in, in Western romance uh, stories, I don't even, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I think I'm so disgusted by them just because they're, they're, they're so much more dramatic um in in their stories right even if they are like more more aligned towards being a comedy like i i I picture like the teenage romance tv shows that 
you see on like the CW or, or all those movies. I feel like the early 2000s gave us a lot of rom-com movies that were set in high school. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, those were all the same point or case in point. Like I can't think of one right now. Um, even though I can tell you like the 10 or 11 rom-coms that I've, I've watched in anime um, that, you know, they all might be the same, but they're still a distinct flavor with each of them. They have their unique flair. Like, what's the gimmick, basically? It's how you distinguish these rom-com from each other. Like, homie, the, the gimmick there is that the main character has difficulties communicating, even though she's revered as, like, a goddess in her school. Nagatoro or Takagi-san, the gimmick there is that it's a teasing anime, and the girl likes to tease the boy because she has a crush on him. So I, I, they at least try to differentiate. I don't think they're trying to completely mirror or mimic another show or another story. But you can't deny that a lot of these elements that go into the rom-com are the same fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's what makes them fun to use, pointing those out. So pulling up the starter pack here, I'm going to just read them off in order. Although some of them, I think, go hand in hand. No pun intended, because... The one at the bottom in the middle says holding hands. Um, so I might group some of these together. The first one on here says the protagonist gets slightly wet and then becomes completely bedridden. This fucking trope, this rom-com trope. I think the weakest thing in anime is a slice of life protagonist immune system. Yeah, you hear them cough once and then the next scene they're in bed. Or they, they go out in the rain, in the middle of summer, mind you, and they get slightly wet, and then they are completely incapacitated for, like, a full fucking week. And then they need the love interest to show up at their house to help take care of them. It's honestly just an excuse for that exact thing, to get the love interest to care for them, to get them over to their house, because they probably wouldn't have any other opportunity to invite them over to their house. And I think it's also about taking care of someone in a very vulnerable position because when you're sick, you feel kind of gross. You feel like you don't want anyone to see you or be near you. So it almost creates this oddly intimate situation between the protagonist and the love interest where they really wouldn't be in this situation in any other instance. That or they're just, like you said, their immune system is just weak as fuck. Um <laughs> I can't really think of any anime. Again, I've only watched maybe 10 or 11 rom-coms. Uh, I can't think of one of them where <laughs> it says, like, the trope, they get slightly wet and they become entirely sick. Um, the most well, we recent just watched one, one at, in Comey. Yeah, I was going to say, but, like, Tadano there, he he didn't like go out in the rain. He just he got sick. Sometimes um, they don't even give you a reason. They just suddenly catch a cold. Again, yeah. it could be the middle of summer, blazing hot, and they'll be like... <coughs> yeah. <laughs> but then that that did make for a great setup with Comey coming to his aid. And then you get one of the tropes here, like in later in the starter pack, where Comey like, sees Tadano. She's taking care of him. He's like fallen fast asleep and she is about to go in for the grasping of his hand <laughs> and then <laughs> Najimi comes in and ruins the moment um, so yeah in some cases it, it does set up for some nice interplay between the love interests I feel like the solution 
or not the solution, but the the way to heal the protagonist quickly is to cook for them. Sometimes the love interest will bring over medicine and food or snacks, and then other times they actually stay there and cook, and then the protagonist is like, oh my God, so-and-so is cooking for me. I get to have their home-cooked food. That's all it takes. It's like you just need a little bit of soup and some medicine, and then suddenly they're back at school, and it's all good, and they don't ever talk about that moment ever again. Well, maybe it was just love that healed them. Instead <laughs> the of, power of love. <laughs> yeah, instead of these normal remedies. I'm going to group the next two together because uh, they, well, not the next two, but two of these together because they pretty much go, here I go again, hand in hand. It, it's uh, literally no progress, but the fan base being like, let's fucking go. And then the other one is 50 episodes to hold hands. Basically, it's like the the main couple takes forever to actually get together at the end of the day. I'm really impatient. I've shared this before. And while I enjoy a good slow burn romance, the payoff has to be really fucking good for me to feel satisfied by the end of the show. And most of the time, I'm kind of like, hurry the fuck up, get together before the show ends so that we can see you as a canon couple. But at the end of the day, no matter how impatient I get, I still get sucked into these slow burn romances because I want them to get together so bad that I'm actually kind of willing to wait the full 12 to 24 episodes to see it happen. Well, the 50 episode thing is a lie for Comey because that only took 18 episodes. Oh, shit. <laughs> Even though it wasn't like an <laughs> official hand holding. But yeah, the, the the no progress thing is just so, so terribly annoying. Even though like I, my dress up darling, I thought that moved at a pretty brisk pace in terms of Marin's love for Gojo, even though they haven't been established as a a formal couple in the anime. I would say Komi kind of sits in a comfortable middle, especially with season two as Tadano and Komi start to figure out that they have feelings for each other. But still like I would say like like those moments get me riled up, but then finding out like they're too shy to even admit that they have feelings for each other it's like oh come on i think the distinct difference where i i can be a little more patient a a little more willing to go through this journey is when at least one of the two characters acknowledges that they have feelings for the other when both of the characters clearly like in their subconscious have feelings for each other but neither of them has like flip that switch or made that connection yet that's incredibly infuriating for me it's also kind of infuriating when you have usually like the protagonist is completely oblivious to the fact that the love interest has feelings for them that can also be very very aggravating but if they're at least kind of getting to that point like with my dress up darling i feel like gojo is kind of getting there um, then I, I, I hope so. It feels I, like he's, he, he, he thinks un, un, or he thinks naughty thoughts of mine, but it never I think amounts maybe, to like his feelings for her. Maybe similar to Tadano, he doesn't feel like he's worthy of her mm. affection or that he could never realistically get it. So he puts it out of his mind. I'd like to think that he actually does have feelings for her though. As long as they're kind of making that progress toward realizing their own feelings and the other person's feelings fine that's part of the journey but when it's like again the person's completely oblivious i just want to take them by the the shoulders and shake the shit out of them like open your eyes this is so obvious to everyone but you 
Well, I have a, a slightly different case with these tropes, and it's with Marmalade Boy. I've talked about it many times on our on our podcast, but like, like this is a one. Marmalade Boy is one of those rom com which was also from like back in the '90s, like with Video Girl Eye, um, and I guess some of the tropes from there are still prevalent as as much as they are today. Uh, Marmalade Boy, the the two love the two love interests in that show. They express their feelings for each other, I want to say like 20 or so episodes in, and then they became a couple. But then, like the, the, the whole show is like 76 episodes. Every 10 episodes, they ran into a problem. And so they ended up breaking up. And it's like, it undoes everything that they had built up to the past 10 episodes. And it, and it is like, in some cases, it felt like there was literally no progress because they had one obstacle and that just set them back like so many steps in in their their game of love. That sounds enraging. <laughs> yeah. And so I was I was fuming every time it's Mickey and you. Mickey. Uh, Mickey and you who are the, the love interest in that show. And every time like it's it was mostly Mickey, the, the female love interest who was like we need to break up. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> like, you're just setting this back. Spoiler alert. They end up, they end up with each other because it's a rom-com. You want the, the two main people to fall in love. But like the build up to that point was just so pointless with how many times they were set back. I feel like this is the exact reason why I have a hard time getting into the harem genre. Because again, being impatient, I just need to know if I'm going to sit through something that at the end of the day, the protagonist and my best boy or girl are going to get together. If I have to sit through a whole fucking show and then the protagonist doesn't end up with the person I want them to end up with, then I'm going to feel just fucking pissed, which I'm sure happens to a lot of people. But some people like that, that horse race of of a, a romance. They want to see who's going to come out on top at the end of the day. So props to you guys. I do not have the patience or the sanity for that. So you haven't watched uh, a rom-com where like the one love interest that everyone's rooting for ends up not being? I've gotten lucky where every harem I have watched, the person that I wanted to win did end up winning. Mm. So I'm waiting for the day I watch a, a harem anime where that isn't the case. I actually, one of the very few manga um, that I've ever picked up, I end up dropping because I found out um, spoilers that the person I wanted to win didn't end up winning. So I'm like, well, fuck it. I'm not even going to finish it, which I know is terrible. I shouldn't stop a story just because of that. But if I already know I'm not going to feel satisfied at the end of the story, then it's not going to keep me motivated to keep reading. Yeah, I think I was listening to a, a Trash Taste episode recently. This was one of their older episodes where they mentioned watching a harem. I can't remember the name, but I think each of the hosts had like a, a a different girl that they were rooting for and like ultimately won one out in the end but it was a it was a win that i guess they said like the community was still willing to accept because it, it still seemed right i'm trying to figure out what anime that was but then i guess that would kind of spoil <laughs> spoil yeah. it for me if i if i were to figure out from their comments which person in the harem ended up winning so maybe I'll just have to jog my memory 
And just so, watch a bunch of harem until you figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd have the time for that. I do want to mention that it is incredibly refreshing when a couple gets together and we actually get to see them dating for a bit. I think another uh, kind of like sub issue of the no progress trope is that when progress actually happens or the, the couple actually becomes canon, the show ends immediately after. You don't get to see anything afterward. And I'm like, what the fuck? I want to see them going through all the awkward phases of early dating, you know, like holding hands and their first kiss and going out on dates and shit. And even if you do get some of that, it usually is limited to one, maybe two episodes. So there are a few shows that I think either start right off the bat with the couple together and you get to see them go through the motions of, of dating each other, or they do give you a pretty satisfying ending where the couple is canon and you get to see a good chunk of the time them being a canon couple. That's why I kind of like uh, Love After World Domination, uh, one of the anime right now for the spring 2022 season, is that like obviously they're doing their best to keep their relationship a secret, but... Raido and uh, Desumi, right? Fudo. Raido's from Ahara. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have a couple thoughts on that, but sorry. Fudo and Desumi, thank you. Like, from the get-go, they, they they figure out that they have feelings for each other. So it's not a whole thing of Fudo trying to court Desumi throughout this first season. Like, they immediately want to get together. And so they navigate the perils of keeping their relationship a secret while going on these quote-unquote dates love after world nomination first of all is really good it's super fucking funny and despite it being a super sentai anime that's also a rom-com it still falls victim to a lot of these tropes um so it's it's funny that even a show that is so detached even though it's technically high school students it's so detached from the high school settings there are still the high school rom-com tropes that appear in even that show Mm mm-hmm I know I, I mentioned Ahren, but I, that, you wouldn't consider that a rom-com. I don't know you? what the fuck yeah, it is. Okay. I don't know. Like, I think it's supposed <laughs> to be a rom-com. I don't know if maybe they'll get together or if it's just supposed to be a, a general slice of life. I don't know at this point. We'll see. It's it's nearing its end in a few weeks. Yeah. And that, I was going to say that that's one, even though I don't know what you would call the relationship between. that. Raido is the male lead in that show, and then Ahren's the female lead. Um, I don't know if there is any sort of romantic connection. I think we watched a recent episode where it, it hinted at something, uh, where I think Aharan was showing feelings for uh, Raido. But that was a show where I think we, we are almost at like 10 episodes and there was literally nothing going on in that show. Nothing at <laughs> all. <laughs> but then it, it kind of capitalizes on some of the tropes here in the starter pack too because it's it's these high school students. The next one here, I'm going to also group with another one on the starter pack because these also go hand in hand. And those are Summer Festival and Fireworks. These fucking things are also in every fucking rom-com that I can think of. And I feel like this is used as an opportunity for the two characters to have a romantic moment outside of the school setting. Because I can't really think of any other situations where they actually get to be outside of the the school itself i think the other ones would probably be the like new year's episode where they go to um to the shrine 
oh, maybe a Christmas episode if they do a Christmas party and then like a beach episode if they go to a beach and don't actually stay at the pool at the school. So I feel like the summer festival is the biggest opportunity again for these characters to have some sort of romantic development outside of their fucking high school. Yeah, it's kind of like a special episode of the anime. Like you said, it, it's it's similar to the beach episode. <laughs> I would say like the maybe the Western equivalent is like a the like carnival. A, yeah. Like <laughs> oh gonna, my god! Yeah, what the, the fuck? carnival or like the Going amusement to six park? Flags or something or <laughs> right? Yeah, an amusement park. Like something summary where again you take the characters out of a school setting where they go to the fucking circus <laughs> <laughs> even though i feel like you see that even in anime like the, uh, the circus or no uh, no like the amusement parks i meant like they have a, the ferris wheel scene which i'm thinking of a silent voice that's not really a rom-com that's more of like a, a romance romance drama, drama yeah. yeah but the, they <laughs> they can't they have that but they then they also, they also had, had a fireworks. Summer, they yeah. had a summer festival. They had a summer festival. Oh too. my god, that scene was ooh, that was emotional. Yeah, Holy shit. Okay, yeah, that that's a summer festival scene that will I will remember for sure. Oh, but I love yeah, that these movie other so ones, much. these other ones, you can probably say are synonymous. Um, and you could also it's again as much as you see the students outside of a school setting, you also see them in their DLC skins. With their, um, <laughs> like in their yukata. Is that what they're called? Yeah, and I feel like that's the other practicality of the summer festival episode is seeing the girl in a yukata and then the guy kind of like getting all hot and bothered over it. And seeing like the, the nape, the of, nape their of their neck. neck. Or seeing them of... <laughs> looking all beautiful and done up with their hair and makeup done. Yeah, I'm thinking specifically of the summer festival episode with my dress up darling. Oh um, yeah, where she just straight up calls it out. Yeah, She's like, are you looking at the nape of my neck? <laughs> <laughs> and even like the fireworks, you know, like obviously that that's the perfect setting for the usually the male protagonists to look at their their female leads with these admirable eyes. And the like, Marin glances over at Gojun and sticks her tongue out, and it's blue. Kind of <laughs> just not ruining the moment, but just adding a nice comedic element to it. Right. On the second line here of the starter pack, all the way to the left, we have lunch is one of these, and there are two pictures: either a beautifully crafted bento or a fucking melon pond in a little plastic bag. <laughs> And I'm like, why? Why is this a thing? Is this actually a thing in high schools where you either have like a, a really nicely prepared bento or you have to go to the school store and buy a melon bread? Okay, this is one trope that I actually do not have a problem with because... Because you love melon pan? <laughs> no. <laughs> because growing up in America, in our school systems, our lunches were shit. Yeah. And looking at, so looking at the the lunches that these Japanese school students have, like I have a little bit of envy, but also I I just love looking at bento boxes and <laughs> how they're drawn. But knowing also just how delicious they are, because even um at the the former company I worked for, uh, usually sometimes for lunch we would go to this nearby Japanese restaurant that offered bento, and man. That was like a great lunch. If we had that kind of school lunch here in our American grade schools, like I would feel full throughout the rest of the day. Like when I ate regular lunch at at school, I felt like shit afterwards. But the caveat here, though, is that I think the bento we're seeing in this particular trope and in most 
anime rom-coms, they're brought from home. They're not provided by the school. Although I think Japanese schools do provide full lunches that probably are a lot better than what we have here in the States. But I, I think the, the key with the lunches is it's an opportunity to like feed somebody. I think that's what we've seen most recently. Like I keep thinking about Aharen because that's a like an ongoing joke in that show is that she all uh, Aharen always feeds Raido her the meatballs from her bento. And I find it interesting that the characters usually make a big fucking deal about their bento. Either their bento is like really pathetic and ugly and they're shy and embarrassed to show it to their love interest or they use it as an opportunity to do something nice for their love interest and gain their affection by saying, I'm going to make you a bento. I spent all night crafting this beautiful bento just for you because I like you. So it's the the kind of courting element of the lunches that doesn't sit well with you? No, it's or... not. Nothing about this like sits doesn't sit well with me. I'm just like, why is it one or the other? Because <laughs> I get what they're going here with this this trope. It's either you have a really nicely prepared bento or you have to buy melon bread from the school store. But it's like, I'm sure there's an in-between. I'm just wondering why it's always these two oh, extremes like that they choose no, <laughs> to put in the show. Like there's no one eating like a sandal or something. Yeah, or just like, <laughs> yeah, like a, a sandwich would be a, a nice kind of middle ground here. Or just any other type or of Or throw in a, a disgusting American Salisbury steak <laughs> that's in a very poorly wrapped container. Or like fucking Bosco <laughs> sticks for any of the people in the U.S. that had Bosco sticks at their high school. yeah. <laughs> this is kind of an aside. Uh, I, I think I mentioned a couple times that one of my favorite Japanese bands is Atarashi Gako. They actually had a YouTube video. They did like a series called Seishun Academy where they talked about different elements of like Jap Japanese school and culture. Um, and one of the episodes was about bento boxes. And so they, they feature a lot of different foods that uh, Japanese school students eat, including the bento and the melon palm, which, yeah, you can buy at the school. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it's funny that we ran into this trope and I started seeing more bento boxes in anime because there are a lot of varieties too. Um, so if, if anyone's interested in that video, I can share that on the Discord. It just might make you hungrier. The next trope on the starter pack I think is almost as controversial and almost as lewd as holding hands. And that's the <laughs> that's the biggest tits on a 16-year-old you've ever seen. Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of the female characters are on one of two extreme ends. Either they're flat-chested or they have huge planet-sized tits that have like a mind of their own. <laughs> <laughs> it's there's no in between absolutely no in between it's one or the other <laughs> yeah well i, I kind of notice in maybe like older anime that it's not so much that the the students have larger chest sizes <laughs> um but something like i've noticed more it's that uh like the the main characters feel like they have smaller tits but i guess you know like, like they're inadequate yeah but i think it, it's more um, like with with the more recent anime that have come out in, in more recent years, like you see this sort of comparison. Although I'm I'm still watching through School Rumble right now, and there is a character. And this School Rumble came out maybe 
early to mid 2000s there is a one student in that show who kind of keeps track of each uh, female student's um like cup sizes oh shit (laughs) (laughs) i feel like this is a very honest trope I I don't think it's something that, that girls should be worried about, especially in high school. But let's be honest, high school students in general are very self-conscious and, and starting to become very self-aware. So I understand why this exists, because I think they're, it's rooted in, in reality. Again, whether that reality makes Is sense or not. Like planet-sized tits? <laughs> okay, not like literally like that. But, you know, I don't think that they should be worrying about that stuff. I think everyone is great the way they are. Why are you laughing? <laughs> no, sorry. I read something on my phone. Oh, Unrelated I was like, wait, what? I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> okay. Um, but either way, what I'm trying to say is I think there is some some realism here because it is some, one of those things that high school students talk about, high school students worry about. Um, I just think it's amplified one direction or the other with anime. Yeah, it's it's high school. Like everyone's bodies are changing. It's like anime. It, We're going through it, puberty, right? Anime it can be a planetary size change. <laughs> I just I just think it's funny that you use planet size. I mean, tits. the image that they have on the starter pack. This actually comes from Nagatoro. I know this exact scene. It's just they they used a very extreme case here, but there are plenty of characters just like this in rom com. Then we have, it's a, okay, this one's going to be a little bit hard to describe, but we have girls lightly flirt with guys and then they have this reaction every time. And it's a picture specifically of Nishikata from Takagi-san. He is like fully panicked, fully blushed out because Takagi-san probably just teased him a bunch. So it's essentially a girl lightly flirts with a guy and then he gets super fucking flustered and shy. Mm, I can't remember many anime that show this or maybe again because it's so synonymous that i can't pinpoint a moment but i can can... remember every fucking anime because (laughs) this might be my favorite one on the starter pack this one's also realistic but do you know why it's my favorite you should know me come on tell me why why is this one my favorite um because it makes you fluster (laughs) no what i don't know (laughs) because most of the time the girl or guy or character that's getting flustered, having someone flirt with them, is usually a sundere or has sundere tendencies. Those are the characters that get the most flustered. And I fucking love male sundere characters. They're my favorite kind of characters. And yeah, they get real flustered. I, one of my favorite things in anime romance is when you have a male sundere who obviously has like a crush on this girl and the girl flirts with him and he doesn't know what the fuck to do with himself. He gets really shy, really flustered. He's like, his whole face is all blushed out. I, I think it's so funny. I love watching that shit. I eat it up. Yeah, well, I was, I was thinking of, uh, you know, Gojo in My Dress Up Darling. That he, too. He's not a sundere, yeah, but yeah, a, that, yeah, that shit is great. He gets flustered many times when Marnie says something. I think one was when... She was talking about like she had a really lewd cosplay and she like whispered to him like, oh, I'll send you pictures or I'll text you pictures of this um, at, at night or whatever. And he got really flustered at that point. <laughs> um, I know Tadano, like and Comey, she like she doesn't flirt with him, but there are times where he realizes that he's initiated something that might incite like romantic feelings 
and so like he he turns like bright red and this happens and yeah like this is a trope where like i feel like this has happened to a lot of people in high school like with with their high school crushes and and either they they say something to them or their crush says something to back to, to back, back to, to them back to you <laughs> and then that just completely catches you off guard um i guess the, the one derivative i like from like this kind of reaction trope is is from Comey where <laughs> it was when they were doing the the high school race and she likes like lightly whispers good luck to to Tadano and then he just has this sudden burst of energy to finish his race even though he only gets third place <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's great i i think what fuels me about this trope is that the character clearly doesn't know how to react to any level, any amount of affection. And watching them try to mentally process what the fuck just happened, watching them trying to keep their cool, watching them trying to play it off is just such a funny thing to me. It's hard to describe why. I just really enjoy watching characters in that situation. Again, especially if it's a male son today, it's like watching some character with a really tough exterior start to melt a little bit and break that exterior down because someone that they like is showing some affection back to them. It's because they don't know how to process emotions. Yeah, right? that's true. Some days don't. <laughs> they definitely do not. This next one is very timely because we actually talked about this trope on episode 88 when we had Sam on from uh, Anime Summit. We talked about anime tropes and, and did our tier lists. And that's <laughs> parents not oh, found. Man, fuck this 404 trope. error. Parents not found. This is, yeah. I hate this trope. The, everything, I think I said on that podcast and even in the, the Mother's Day episode that a lot of like the issues and problems that come up in these like rom-com anime can be solved if the parents were fucking around. What kind Not of... Not fucking around, oh. but <laughs> if they were around fucking what kind of <laughs> wait what the fuck I don't know. you kind, know what i mean what kind of issues though would be solved okay maybe i'm just thinking of kanamo kano kanado oh god that fucking but show. there's also uh a couple of cuckoos which we watched a couple episodes of i think the one we left off on was i don't remember the, the two main characters names but i think the the female character's dad gave them the keys to a house for them to spend two weeks in, didn't they? Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, who does that? I don't think there's issues that come up by having the parents be absent or dead or non-existent. I think the opposite. It, like, it's a plot device to create situations where these characters can do things that high school characters normally would not, which in my mind at that point just make them college students or older. They don't need mm. to be high schoolers at that point. I know then you, you're not like in the high school setting. You won't have like the bunkasai and all that shit most likely. But if you really need these characters to have what are most of the time really lewd moments, just make them older at that point. And I think we talked about this on episode 88. But yeah, it is it is kind of a, a very common thing to, for parents just to be inexplicably absent just so that these characters can run around doing whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, I'm sure it's just they, they put them in high school settings or these characters in high school settings to appeal to that demographic of of the students who uh, consume these manga or anime. Um, but I wouldn't say like even 
when the parents are around, they're just completely oblivious to what's going on too. That's true. They usually are. Yeah. I, I, I cited Marmalade Boy before and the parents are are in that show and they're kind of the cause of what happens in that show too. Um, even though at the at the end they hint that they know what's going on between the the two love interests uh but like that was just a fucked up parental situation um i don't know if there were or any other anime that are comparable to w- what the parents were like in that in marmalade boy despite me fucking hating this anime uzaki-chan i think it's uzaki-chan wants to hang out actually put their characters in college which then made sense when they were at each other's places or doing these, you know, they were in these lewd moments without any parents around. Well, you usually are pretty independent from your parents when you get to college. So at least I'll give that show credit and saying at least they put them in a setting where it would make more sense that they would be getting themselves into these lewd situations. I think the most wholesome use of parents right now is Comey. Um, like you, you see her, her dad, um, and, and like he's kind of he's kind of where she gets her shy communication traits from. And then you have her her mother, who's like a social butterfly, and I think she knows that Comey has feelings for like a student at the school. I don't I forget if it's, if she knows that it's Tadna, but she's she's just very supportive in that sense. Um, so she's a parent that I could get behind in anime. The next one is cat ears for some fucking reason. And I, yeah, I also am wondering what fucking reason that is. I feel like this one might be a little bit newer. The pictures that they have on the starter pack are Komi, um, Kaguya, and Nagatoro. So I feel like maybe it is just like a more recent thing. I can't think of other anime that really use this trope or rom-coms that really use this trope. Can you? Besides those three, can you think of any others? Mm, not really. I feel like just cats in general, though, are are synonymous with female characters in anime. And so maybe that's why they've started to use cat ears. Although I, I'm remembering a time when like Snapchat and Instagram had that like dog filter that would put dog ears and like a, a dog tongue. That's a throwback. <laughs> yeah. When will we up? Upgrade to dog ear or like dog ears on a, on a character. Yeah, I'd like to see that. I can't even think of one where they have dog ears. If anyone does know one, let us know. Although maybe the, like that would look strange compared to cat ears on, on a character. I don't know. I think cat ears are probably cuter. And I, I feel like cats are pretty prevalent in rom-coms in general. But yeah, I think maybe the cat ears thing is is a newer, a, a more recent development, which is interesting because that means even though the anime rom-com genre never changes, sometimes it does add shit. To make things cuter. <laughs> we'll see if the cat ears have staying power in the next like five to ten years. Then we have another very uh, classic type of episode or arc within the rom-com genre, and that is... The Bunkasai, the cultural festival, which is distinct to high schools because I think only high schools really have Bunkasais. I think other lower grades have them as well, but I don't know if it's something that they do in college. So yeah, the Bunkasai episode. 
that one that one's a, a big one even non-rom-com anime have them like my hero had that whole fucking bunkasai arc that i was like yeah this is all right yeah actually a gokusen too had a bunkasai episode which <laughs> was kind of funny because it was the delinquents trying to put together a host club but none of them wanted to be part of the host club I I feel like oh my god yeah host clubs or like maid cafes that's always what the fucking class does okay so the class where the two love interests are like their their particular class they either do a maid cafe or they do some sort of like concert or something on stage like a play my hero yeah my hero had a concert I think Toradora had um they had a wrestling match and then they had Taiga enter like the pageant, like their like I don't know some pageant that they did. Uh, what else? Kids on the slope had a bunkasai, and that was a musical concert. Oh yeah, that's right, they did. And what I find with the bunkasai episode is that it either places the two love interests in a very unique situation where they're working pretty closely together, or it places a strain between the two of them because one of them is usually like too busy um helping with whatever their class is putting together for the festival or maybe they're on the fucking student council and they're running around managing the whole the whole cultural festival where they don't have enough time for that other love interest character so it's like one of the two usually though it's like putting the two characters in a unique situation like in takagi-san they had a play and they were going to try to put nishikata and takagi together in a very romantic scene then some things happen but yeah it's, it's one of the two that's usually what i i notice the only one i can recall in recent memory is uh komi and there wasn't really any conflict there because again komi and tarano haven't fully expressed feelings for each other at that point um but i think the, the most interesting part of it is you you see the seeds kind of planted because they they dance with each other in like the the after party, even though I think Tadano is in full maid getup and so is Komi. So it's just these two two characters in maid outfits that are, are dancing with each other. In a similar vein, the next one on the starter pack is the power structure, which if you can imagine a pyramid, at the bottom are the students, then the next tier up are the teachers, then the next tier up are nation leaders. Then the next tier up is God. And at the top of this pyramid is the fucking student council. <laughs> and I'm like, this is kind of accurate. The one anime that sticks out to me the most when it comes to this power structure is Oregairu, especially the third season. I think they're trying, if I remember correctly, they're trying to put together like a prom, basically mirroring like a, a prom that we would have here in the States. And they want to cancel, like the, the parents or somebody wants to cancel it. And the student council has to do what they need to do to make it happen. And it's like they have all the fucking power to make things happen. And in other rom-com too, it's like the student council is usually some sort of like barrier for these characters to do something or to get something. And they usually are like the problematic group that they have to try and convince or navigate to help progress the story i haven't seen and maybe it's because i haven't watched enough of these anime i haven't seen like aggressive military regimes of these student councils um like mob cycle is probably just one that i can remember but also makes me think like 
do Japanese student councils really have like this kind of authority? They I, act like they do. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like my my student council in, in grade school, the only authority we had was when to have pizza parties or whatever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't fucking know. Someone mentioned that the only thing that might top the student council is the school principal, which I could see. I think like there are a- anime out there where the student council get uh, get put in their place by the school principal. So the the, the school principal would rank over God. The, <laughs> obviously, that's at the top, very top of the pyramid, ranking over God. <laughs> Apparently, if the student council is up there, then yeah, maybe the school principal is also up there. And the last one on the starter pack is... This one's the funniest one. (laughs) Yeah. Is couple sits here. And if you can imagine looking at... Like if you were the teacher looking out into the classroom, the couple always sits in the two back right corner seats right next to the window. And that's fucking true with a lot of shows. I think Comey is one example where it's not true because they're actually in like the second to last row in the middle but for a, the vast majority of anime rom-com, the two characters always sit back there so that they can talk and goof off without the teacher noticing. Yeah, I'm thinking of Aharen, Marin, uh, Tenma from School Rumble. Well, wait, Marin and Gojo don't sit next to each other, do they? Gojo was sitting. He in sits the... in the back, but I don't mm-hmm. think she sits next to him. Oh, wait, yeah. So Gojo, um, to correct myself. Like I said, Tenma, I think from School Rumble. Even Light Yagami sits next to the window. Maybe it's not like in the, the back coveted corner. seat. I think that back corner next to the window is like the coveted seat in high school. Yeah. Actually, I was just kind of reading up on this trope. There's a website, anime.stackexchange.com, where people were questioning why this was always the case. And one of the comments was someone who did a study attempting to confirm or invalidate the proposition that anime protagonists disproportionately sit near windows in classrooms using 34 different anime. What the fuck? So I can I can put a link to this in the Discord if anyone wants to to read through this science experiment because it's 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 relayed out like a science report too and it is a very interesting read. Uh and like there's another comment where it was saying that it's it's a common thing because it gives the characters something to do rather than placing them in the middle of a classroom because they can just look out the window and and kind of act bored or see what other other characters are doing outside or even try to exit the classroom by way of window. <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, that does happen in some anime. So it, I guess like that coveted seat in the classroom just makes for great plot setups. I did see a comment on the actual starter pack post where someone said this could also be a practical thing where placing the two main characters of the two love interests in that back corner allows the animators to have less work to do when it comes mm-hmm. to animating all the other people in the class. I think that's the most ideal place from like a, a camera or perspective sense um, to be able to see the characters from a good angle without having to draw all these other characters in the room. Yeah, I think that was another thing that was pointed out in the comment I was reading because it, it I'm sure it does save like time and money 
not having to draw the entire classroom. So those are the items on the anime rom-com starter pack on Reddit. However, I feel like there's two key things that are missing from the starter pack. The first one, and we've already kind of talked about it a little bit, it's the beach or pool episode. That's definitely missing because that I think is almost as common, if not more common than the summer festival episodes. Yeah, that's another thing where you can get DLC skins of these characters, especially in <laughs> like the skimpier outfits outfits that make like the the male characters on the show all hot and bothered. The other missing piece, which may be more specific to you, and I know this is one of your favorite anime rom-com tropes and you always call it out whenever we watch something and this pops up. It's running after the girl or the boy. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> when, when, the, when the character runs after their love interest in that climactic scene where, I don't know, they either realize their feelings or the love interest is about to leave them in some way, shape, or form, or if they're like distant from each other and they want to go make things right, they turn around and they run full sprint back to the love interest while at some point in that sprint tripping over themselves. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I don't know if it's prevalent in a lot of rom-com. I know it's been prevalent in the anime films that we've watched. but what Every a, fucking romance anime film has it. Yeah, name a Makoto Shinkai film and it probably has it. Uh, <laughs> but what other great expression of love could there be than you physically exerting yourself to confess your feelings to your soulmate. <laughs> I think the best is when they're running to try and catch up to their love interest who's riding in a fucking car. <laughs> like how how are you even going to come close <laughs> to catching up to that goddamn car? But that's, somehow That's how much they love that the person. The power of love allows them to run at the speed of a car. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's it's it's a stupid trope, but I just love you love to see it. <laughs> so again for anyone who actually wants to see the anime rom-com starter pack that was posted on the subreddit starter packs our starter packs we'll share a link in our discord and if you're not part of the discord you can find a link to join in our description and speaking of discord let's move on to the submissions from our discord members where we asked everyone to share their favorite rom-com and why so first up, we have our friend Earthworm from Anime Brothers Podcast, and he says it's a three-way tie between Kaguya-sama, Dress Up Darling, and Komi Can't Communicate. Mm, I, I would agree with those, especially with Komi. I would course. agree. I know what you would agree with. I, I would agree with Dress Up Darling for sure. Uh, Komi's also very good, but I have to say I dropped Kaguya-sama. It just wasn't up my alley, so I don't really know a lot about it. But I'll, I'll take your word for it that it's good. <laughs> That's the one with the OP, the, the daddy, daddy. I know you love that OP. <laughs> yeah. You've got that on Spotify. Yeah. You know, I, I should watch it. I, I've heard the song, but I need to get context for the whole thing now. I think the third or fourth season is airing right now. It was a spring yeah. 2022 anime, and it's it seems to be doing really well. So if you watch it, let me know. Maybe you can convince me to give it another try. Next, we have Drew, who says, I'm partial to my love story, which quickly dispenses with the will-they-or-won't-they premise of a bunch of rom-coms in favor of just putting our two wildly opposite leads together early on in the series. The guy is an ogre-looking dude who has a heart of gold, and the girl is a small, sweet little thing. 
What they have in common is their kindness and generosity, but hijinks ensue because nobody expects these two visually different people to be together. The humor is a good mix of slapstick and situational comedy. It's a wholesome show. And if we're counting harem shows as rom-coms, then it's gotta be Clannad. Anyone who wants nonstop laughs needs to watch Clannad. It will make tears come out. I, I know that this oh is God. a trap. I have not watched Clannad, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, my love story, that is such a good show. I loved that show. I think... It, like I think I gave it like an 8 out of 10. It's just a solid, fucking hilarious rom-com. And I agree. It's nice that the two main characters get together very quickly. You don't have to go through the fucking slow burn romance. You don't have to wait to see them actually become canon. It happens pretty early on. And instead, you get to see the funny situations that unfold because they're new to dating. Oh, okay. You watched this one recently because I was thinking what ogre-looking dude made me think of Shrek, but <laughs> this guy looks... Uh, Shrek? <laughs> but I think for me, this guy looks like uh, Sugar Rush from My Hero. He has, Yeah, he has a similar look to him. And this is the show, I don't know if you remember, but I was watching an episode and I started laughing so hard that my eyes were tearing up and I showed you the scene and it was where, I can't remember the, na the names because I'm terrible with names, but it's where the ogre looking dude puts that saran wrap over the other guy's face <laughs> oh, to yeah. practice kissing and like they animated the guy's face all stretched out against the saran wrap and then he like tries to kiss him. That made me laugh so hard. It's such a good show. I highly recommend to, it. For him to practice, right? Yeah, to practice kissing his girlfriend. <laughs> Yeah, maybe so I should funny. watch this too. Oh my god. And they reference it later in the show and it's just oh my god, it's so well done. Really, really good humor. Um on the flip side though, yeah, I can't tell if this whole Clanad thing is a trap or not. I agree, it will make the tears come out. I, I very much agree. Nonstop laughs too. <laughs> uh maybe. It depends on the kind of viewer you are. <laughs> Next up, we have Jazz, who said, Maid-sama. Misaki is such a sundere, but also quite wholesome at the same time, while Usui is protective and caring. They are the perfect combination and are hilarious. Also, the three boys, always at the Maid Cafe, if you know, you know, are hilarious. Literally one of my all-time favorites. I agree. I think this is another great example of a character, especially a sundere like Misaki, who gets affection from their love interest and then just doesn't know how to process those feelings. That very much happens all the time because Usui is head over heels for Misaki and he likes to tease her because he's got that kind of devilish quality to him. I, I enjoyed Maid-sama. I think that show was very campy in a good way for the time period that it came out. I think it was like an early 2000s anime. Is that right? Maid-sama? Maid-sama. Kaichiwa Maid-sama. It was... 2010 the original run oh so maybe not as early as i thought late 2000s late late early say. 2000s based on the fact that we're in 2022 now <laughs> but yeah i really enjoyed that one too that was a good show next we have and i'm sorry if i'm not pronouncing your username correctly cdr melander Melander? Melander. <laughs> but they write baka and test it was my first rom-com that i really enjoy the dub is actually amazing and well done. I've watched it so many times and it still makes me laugh. It's about a boy who's the dumbest kid in school and the school ranking and benefits matter by your grades and they battle with avatars that power is their grades. 
with them being the worst class, they always find funny ways to win battles since they have low scores. I feel like that's also like a trope is just a really dumb protagonist in school. Yeah, and they need to have study sessions with their love interest, which I guess is another excuse to have them outside or to meet up with them outside of the high school or to meet up at their actual house and they get to see the person's room. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if that is the same case with Baka and Test. We'll have to add this one to our watch list. I know. I've never heard of Baka and Test before. I'm looking at it on Mal, and like this is the first I'm ever coming across this. So I'm going to look into this one. It seems like it could be something I'd enjoy. Next anime rom-com comes from anime titties expert Ash, who says, so if we go purely on the subject of romance, I would say golden time. It's a very interesting show about the main protagonist having amnesia and living with it and having a very great female love interest. The story feels real as the main protagonist struggles with who he is and his girlfriend has to also go with what is happening in his life and it gets so sad at some very hard to watch moments but the show knows how to pull all pull on the hearts of the viewers also the scene with his best friend where he pretends to be his boyfriend i really enjoyed golden time although i have to say because i know people people who have watched golden time and have watched toradoro because they're by the same creator they either like one or the other more i'm more of a toradoro person that's one of my top three favorite anime but golden time was just as good and for some reason i will never be able to forget the main character's name and this is coming from the person who can never remember character names tarabanri they say it all the fucking time in the show they say his full name all the time and now it's ingrained in my head tarabanri kind of like a like Jojo stands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's almost like Tata Bonri's name is like a, an attack cry at that point. And speaking of names, anime titties expert Ash. What a what a username. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if you also like keep the cup sizes of the anime characters that uh, we we see in these shows. I know you got to give us your expert opinion on the 16-year-olds having ginormous tits for some reason. Part of the rom-com starter pack. Scary Spice has a lot of favorite rom-coms listed. Um, a rom-com that I thought I wouldn't enjoy but ended up loving is The Pet Girl of Sakuraso. It's about a dude who lives in a dorm due to his inability to give up on his pet cats. Regular, don't, regular dorms don't allow them. And he has to deal with the weirdo roommates that give the specific dorm a bad name. He meets a new girl that moves in, a very talented manga artist, and she inspires him to break out of the regular boy mold that he sees himself in. There are also other romance matchups. Favorite scene was during a play where everyone shouted their deepest secrets. Two others I found this year, second season airing right now, are Science Fell in Love, So I Tried to Prove It, and Real Life. The first is about two scientists who believe they love each other and they go through multiple and awkward experiments to prove it. Also have many science lessons taught by a talking bear. (laughs) The second is about a man who loses his job and becomes a neat, but then has the opportunity to take a pill that turns himself back into a high schooler where he can get a second chance at life and ends up falling in love with one of the students. Not as weird as it sounds, though. Uh, Neat, that stands for no education, employment, or training, right? Is it employment or experience? Wait, let's look this up. No education, employment, or training. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so a hikikomori. 
basically. Oh yeah. So I've I've never heard of the pet girl of Sakura so and I just looked it up on Mail and it has over a million members. How have I never heard of this anime? Have you ever heard of it? No. I feel like I've been out of the loop on this one. I kind of want to watch it. Actually, I did think that Relife sounded an awfully lot like Remake Our Life, that anime we dropped. Yeah, actually, <laughs> where, yeah, the premise did sound very similar. Like where the main character is like post-college and he fucking hates his life and he hates his job and he wants to go back and redo it. And then he has, he gets like, not isekai, but I guess time travel back to his days in college and has a chance to remake his life. Yeah, he didn't have to take a pill though, but... Yeah, the, the premises were very similar. This is interesting. And yeah, I, I might give this one a chance too because this one has 900,000 members. Like, what the fuck? How have I never heard of these? And then Science Fell in Love, so I tried to prove it. I've had this one on my radar for a while. I just haven't committed to it. Now I kind of want to, especially knowing that the two scientists believe they love each other. So I feel like you're going to get less of that slow burn, like no progress kind of shit. And maybe them just trying to go through funny experiments. These sound interesting. And, like, a logical reason for why they are falling in love with each other. (laughs) And I think the second season is airing right now or just aired. So maybe it's a good time to pick that one up. Otaku Kakashi said, My dress up darling was great and Komi is always nice, but I'm really not a big rom-com watcher. Hey, even as a not really into rom-com kind of person, I think you've picked up two really good ones that at least have come out recently. Yeah, I, w- I would say I'm not a big rom-com person too, but yeah, My Dress Up Darling and Comey are probably the the top two that I've seen so far. It's literally your waifu Comey and my waifu Maureen. Like that, that, those are a yeah. solid rom-com. Those are great. Well, we recommend them to anybody. Yeah, and then Asen decided which one was the best. You know what? Still salty over there. In your face. <laughs> <laughs> then we have Kamikaze Dan, which is Dan from our friends at Otaku Host Club. He writes, Nodame Cantabile. I can relate to the main guy's intense focus on his artistic pursuits. I love the goofy nature of the girl. She's the girl you always want to date. I love how he opens up to her, and the ending scene of season one fucking kills me every time. Uh, I actually had this one on my watch list uh, because I think it's a music anime. I'm looking at the visual on my anime list, and it's I think these are the two main characters. One is on a piano, and the other one's playing the violin. I didn't realize, though, that um, it was a musical rom-com. I also have this one on my list, and it made it on my list because I was looking up anime romance that have, or romance anime that have male Sundere leads. Oh. <laughs> and this one was on the list. two different reasons. <laughs> I was like, I need more male Sundere in my life. So I looked up anime romance shows that had them and this one came up and yeah i added it to my list a long time ago i've never committed but now i think i'm gonna finally watch it because if you're recommending it dan i've gotta watch it and then we have classy ulysses who said for me it's my teen romantic comedy because it's reliable and it's probably the most realistic rom-com in my opinion we also see the main characters but also focus on the side characters as well to make the show balanced and we hardly see that in any anime You see three characters who are outcasts or don't fit in a group, and you see the three characters 
together in a service club where they help any students' problems. Even the core characters have their own problems, but at the end, they overcome that and just accept it. To me, Hachiman is top three best anime protagonists out there. While I prefer... <laughs> Hiratsuka sensei oh I, I see what you're doing there and Hachiman to be together um, but it's whatever haha ha. I suggested to read the light novels because it gives a little more detail of the story also I can see Hachiman as Batman <laughs> or am I the only one best waifus Hiratsuka sensei Saki Haruno and Iroha I agree with you there. I think Oregairu is really fucking good. It is incredibly well written. They, the deep dives that they do into the philosophy of romance, especially being a teen, is just fantastic. Hachiman's great. I just love his deadpan approach to everything. And seeing him with that type of personality start to warm up through his friendships with these girls is really satisfying. And I have to say... Not to like spoil anything, but I really, I'm really happy with the way that show ended. I'll just leave it at that. What about what Classy Ulysses says about Hachiman as Batman? Um, because he's very like, <laughs> not like dark, but he's kind of brooding sometimes. His whole shtick is that he is just like this pessimistic guy who's like, I'll never find love. Love is pointless. <laughs> he's not incel like, like Batman or anything like that. He's just very like. He just is like, he just doesn't care. I don't know how to describe it. Actually, just kidding. I do know how to describe it. I just pulled up this list of dere types and he's the hine dere, which they describe as uh, viewing the world through a cynical lens and their cold heartedness often makes them unpleasant to hang around with. Despite that, they do have a soft spot hidden away and will only up open up to the right person under the right circumstances, which is Hachiman to a T. He is very cynical, especially in the beginning of the show. But again, his his time spent with the girls in his club, like really opened him up. Even though on the outside, his personality doesn't change. On the inside, he makes a lot of great progress. What is that type called? Hine dere. Yeah, that sounds like Batman. Not he, not like he may like a princess. Mm -hmm. Hine dere. So not, yeah, I guess that's Batman. Yeah, it sounds like Batman to me. Cynical as fuck. Next, we have our patron, Jesse James, who says, my favorite rom-com is definitely Dick Fight Island. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of glad that I introduced you to that. Is that a, a rom-com? Would you, would you categorize it as a rom-com? Well, it seems a, more like an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> boys love... Yeah, I could... Boys love adventure? Adventure rom-com. I could kind of see that. <laughs> but I th they continue with their answer. Uh, okay, in terms of anime rom-coms, the only one I finished is... Rascal does not dream of Bunny Girl Senpai, but that's only because I fell in love with the OP and ED that was on Clone Heroes, the PC version of Guitar Hero. That anime is misleading. The title is misleading, okay? He, there's like Bunny Girls for a hot second, and then it's just all about physics or something very scientific. But I agree. I think that one was a, a pretty good rom-com. I kind of wish they had stuck with the rom-com focus like they did in the beginning, but I don't dislike the story i think it kind of takes a very interesting turn what i also really appreciate about rascal does not dream of bunny girl senpai is how quickly the love interests progress their relationship they, there's still a lot of slow burn at least in the first half but i when they finally just admit things to each other and they finally just accept their relationship it's so nice and and they they do that in a timely manner where at least you get to kind of see them in their canon state for a good amount of time. 
that one I felt like was a nice balance of both getting the slow burn in the beginning, but then having the canon romance at the end. Then Dinesh said, Kaguya-sama, love is war. I love it because it's mostly comedy, which makes it fun to watch. And the rom element kicks in in the perfect moments. I have to ask, and I don't want spoilers, I guess, because if you're going to watch it, I don't want to ruin it for you. But like, does Kaguya-sama, do they ever really make progress toward their canon relationship? I'm going to guess with another season that they're still not canon yet, but I could be wrong. So if someone wants to just drop like a yes or no in the Discord on that, I'd be very curious. Because I think that that may either deter me or motivate me to give this one another try. Not the daddy daddy do. <laughs> you really love that song. Next, we have Hernstrom, who writes, The ones I recommend are My Dress Up Darling, The Quintessential Quintuplets, Kaguya-sama, Love is War, and Rent-A-Girlfriend. But the undeniable best rom-com anime is the 2019 mega-hit anime of the year, ladies and gentlemen, the anime with the best opening line in all of anime, Domestic Girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed at a lot of rom-coms, but for some weird reason, Domestic Girlfriend is the only anime to this day that has made me shed a tear. I kind of don't know why. I got emotional, and I think I somewhat recognized myself in one of the characters and the roller coaster of emotions during the 12 episodes the show aired. I have some weird connection to this harem-slash-incest anime, more than a semi-good show. It has a fucking banger of the OP. Cue the song, Carl. <laughs> 11 out of 10. Try not to roast me too hard. <laughs> Fortunately, I, I can't. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and play it for you, Hernstrom. <laughs> we might get like a DMCA strike for it, but whatever. So here's the OP, just for you. Misako, <laughs> And I gotta say, I just love how you hyped up this anime so much. I, I know that it's probably like a, a guilty pleasure on some people's anime lists. I know that Giguk posted a video about this um maybe like a year ago and i know that this was one of his guilty pleasures and i think he even interviewed the mangaka about the about the series you and hernstrom need to have a piano duel where you just play this op oh man <laughs> i mean that that opening piano riff is pretty good um i'm gonna have to brush up on my skills though but I got to say, Domestic Girlfriend, as much of a dumpster fire as it was, I don't like regret watching it. I think you need to watch the dumpster fires to appreciate the more well-rounded rom-coms of anime. And yeah, it's it's notorious for a reason. Oh, I, now that like Hernstrom has kind of put the show on a pedestal, I want to I need to watch this. So I'm going to add this to my watch list. After hearing Gigguk talk about it and Hernstrom, I think I'm going to add this to my watch list. It's one of those that you just have to watch to understand the culture behind it. So whether or not you'll regret it, I can't say much to that, but I think you should watch it just so you can say that you've seen it. Yeah, there aren't, aren't many anime that I have regretted watching. And I hopefully that won't be the case with Domestic Girlfriend. I don't know, but... You know, I have to kind of expand my palette and 
watch things that might not be within my norm to watch. So maybe my domestic my domestic girlfriend domestic girlfriend. Domestic girl- <laughs> I don't know where the my came in, but domestic girlfriend I'll have to put on my radar. Uh, I've also heard things about quintessential quintuplets. I think I had a friend who mentioned that that was like one of his favorite rom-coms. Um, so I might give that one a watch as well. Another one of our friends from Otaku Host Club, Jeff, a.k.a. Bubblegum Crash, said, My favorite is Karekano. What's unique about the show is how it portrays internal and external relationships. It's a very cerebral anime, much like Gainex's prior work that is Evangelion. I think Hideaki Anno is at his prime in this show, and there isn't anything quite like it. I think it has aged like fine wine. I've heard of this. I haven't heard the uh, shortened title before, Karekano, but I've heard of the English or the localized title, His and Her Circumstances. And even though I've heard about this a decent amount of times, I'm surprised it only has about 200,000 members on Mal. I think this is the first that I've heard about this. When did this come out? 1998. Oh, shit. Maybe it's one of those like nostalgic anime that we have to give a watch to. I'm down to watch this. I might put this one on my watch list. I feel like this one's going to have some interesting themes to it, like some heavier moments. Is this actually a rom-com? Let's see what it says. Yeah, genres, comedy, drama, romance, slice of life. A (laughs) rom-dramedy. So it seems like it's going to have both because both comedy and drama are listed here. I'm down to watch this one. And last but not least, we have Ted Turtle 21 who writes, and I'm sure you'll enjoy this. Oh boy. Toradora is still a great rom com of two completely opposite leads that love the other person's best friend. Once you get into their lives and how Ryuji and Taiga relate to each other, you start to root for this unlikely pair. Ted Turtle 21, I completely agree. Toradora is my number two favorite anime of all time. I. I just love this show. The story resonated so strongly with me, and it's stuck with me ever since. Someday, I'm going to get Carl to watch it. Maybe someday. Maybe someday soon. I really I'm want- going to watch everything else that was recommended <laughs> to me first before <laughs> Dora Dora. I watch this show every single year. I usually don't rewatch anime unless it's like JoJo or Bebop or Toradora. Like It's got to be something that- I really, really love if I'm going to spend my time rewatching it. And Toradora is one that I really, really love. And every single Christmas, or at least I try to every single Christmas, I like to do the uh, Toradora Christmas rewatch with everyone else on the R Anime subreddit. I feel like I'm part of the Toradora community. <laughs> yeah, and you have all these Toradora figures now, too. I do. Oh, I love Taiga. And you got me the wedding dress figure. For my birthday. Thank you. Yeah. I love it. You're welcome. So nice of you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you again, everyone on Discord for sharing your favorite rom-com. Hopefully, everyone listening can walk away from this episode with some good recommendations on what to watch next. I know I have. There's some that I, I need to commit to and finally watch because I think I've been convinced. And I'm sure we've pointed out tropes that now they will not be able to unsee in these (laughs) rom-coms too. 
but you know, I think that's just part of the territory of watching rom com, and it, maybe it's kind of like, and this is a hot take, how shonen anime have never changed as that's well. That's true. Maybe that's another topic we could tackle. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Now I'm gonna be more like. I'm going to pay a little more attention when I watch my next rom-com to see how closely it sticks to this formula. And I wonder if we come across a rom-com that breaks from this formula pretty heavily, if we'll enjoy that or if we'll be taken back by that. Because I think part of the reason these things show up over and over again in all of these rom-com is because we as anime fans enjoy them to a certain degree. I think if we were vocal enough about not liking them or we didn't watch the shows because we didn't like them, I think we probably wouldn't see them as much. Yeah, I think I used this word to describe how Comey makes me feel. Uh, Comey can't communicate, not Comey herself. Oh. <laughs> maybe Comey herself, too, is just how how kilig these rom-coms make us feel. <laughs> kilig being like a Filipino word for just those gushy feelings of romance that we express or like when we see something romantic and it just makes us like squeal with joy. Like I think as much as these tropes are like tried, tested, tried and tested, they're also just very true. And so that just kind of enhances our experience of watching these rom-com, even though they're all pretty much the same thing. I'll be honest, I'm going to fucking watch rom-com even if they never break free of this formula because I eat that shit up. And speaking of eating, Rigby is very hungry. If you hear a dog rustling around in the background, he keeps uh, booping us with his nose because he wants us to feed him. So with that, thank you everyone for listening. We appreciate you guys. Subscribe to Strictly Anime on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series. And check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. Head over to patreon.com slash The Strictly Series if you want to support the show. And tune in to Strictly JoJo, our other podcast dedicated to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.